Well, it's great to be with you uh, this morning as we get closer to Christmas. It's a wonderful time of year, Christmas, isn't it? With kids going belling or jelling. What was the phrase? Kids go jingle belling. And everyone telling you to be of good cheer and things like this. But what does it, what does it all mean? John chapter 10 tells us. So turn with me in your Bibles to that chapter, and would you stand with me as we uh, come now to God's Word? Let's stand. Uh, We will read from verse 1 through to verse 21. Let us pray. Teach us your way, O Lord, and we will walk in your truth. Give us an undivided heart that we may fear your name. Amen. Let's hear God's word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is God's word.
If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is, infinite. So said the poet William Blake in his best-known work, The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. It's a line that influenced Aldous Huxley's exploration of the effects of drug use on altered consciousness in his book, The Doors of Perception. And that, in turn, was picked up by the archetypal 60s megagroup, The Doors. What is the pathway to life? The stairway to heaven? The door to an improved existence in practical terms. The key to the meaning of Christmas. Here Jesus says, he is the door. Now you see this passage comes in the context of winter celebrations. It is uh, the time of the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. The Pharisees have been unable to see that Jesus had healed the blind man, and they returned again to that miracle of Jesus again at the end of our passage today. And as I say, soon after, the next verse, we're told by John, comes the Feast of Dedication, verse 22. Or what is more commonly known today as Hanukkah. The festival of light, as the ancient historian Josephus described it. What is more, in context, it is possible, not certain, but possible, that one of the readings used at uh, the festival of light, the feast of dedication, what we call today Hanukkah, was from the great prophet Ezekiel and his famous chapter 34, where he describes how God himself will come to shepherd his people. So it is possible that actually in John 10, John is expositing, explaining Ezekiel 34 as they begin to get ready for the Feast of Dedication. Who is this shepherd? It is he himself, he's saying. Now we'll look more at the image of Jesus as the good shepherd tonight when we come back for our lessons and carols this evening. But Jesus also, in the same context, calls himself the door. This is another of these well-known I am statements, each claiming that he was God. The Pharisees knew that he was making this, to them, outrageous claim, as they say in verse 33, you being a man, make yourself God. Now here with this particular I am statement, he is saying that he is the door, which is a strange image. But in ancient times, shepherds would, as it is often now believed, bring their flock into the sheepfold and there would be an entranceway into this stone rock enclosure into which they called their sheep. And often there would not actually be, it is thought, an 
a physical wooden door over the entrance. Instead, especially in those sheepfolds that were in the fields, it is thought that the shepherds would literally lie in the entranceway to the sheepfold so they could protect the sheep from the wolves by being the door. This, it is possible, is the image that Jesus is referring to here. And as he does so, he gives us three signs, three indicators, three marks that give us reason to believe that he is the door to understanding the meaning of this feast of dedication, the winter festival of light. Salvation, pasture, life. First salvation. I am the door, Jesus says, verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Now, salvation there has the sense of refuge. It's all part of the image as well as the actual word. You see, the sheep have come in from the fields. They are entering the sheepfold. If they enter by this door, and Jesus is the door through which they enter, they will be safe or saved. He will um, lie down at the entrance, the sheepfold, and protect them from danger. Any attack will literally have to be over his dead body. He's lying down in front of the danger. The story is told, probably apocryphal historians think, of uh, the courtier Sir Walter Raleigh who put his uh, cloak over a puddle to prevent Queen Elizabeth from muddying her feet. Well, this is a far greater protection. In the president's detail, there are servicemen who are ready to take a bullet for the president. More like that. So there you are. You're out on a hill in the wilds. And there's no protection against wolves or any other dangers. You're far enough away from civilization that a roving bandit or a thief could get away with stealing from you and your family. And one person, as you gather together and throw up a hasty enclosure of some kind or other, one person sits at the entrance and takes up guard all night. He says, if anyone is going to come to attack, he'll have to come through me first. He is protecting, guarding, saving. Now, that's the first part of the image here of Jesus being the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Ezekiel put it like this, they shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. Now, this is such a relevant word for us today, isn't it? Yes, as we celebrate Christmas with all the festival of light, and yet at the same time, as John symbolically puts it, it was winter. And we too, don't we? We live in a day when there is a great sense, a renewed sense of a need for safety, security. You can read any number of different reports and tensions. 
where is the door? <laughs> where is the person, the organization, the system that can provide us with the security that we need? Perhaps you this week are facing some question like that, not at a sort of global level or national level, but at a personal level. Jesus says, verse 28, I give them eternal life. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Perhaps it seems a little too easy to say it is Jesus who will save us. Uh, During the uh, Spanish-American War, Clara Barton was supervising the activities of the Red Cross in Cuba. And uh, one day, Theodore Roosevelt came to her, wanting to buy food for his sick and wounded rough riders, as uh, his followers were called at the time. She refused to sell him anything. Roosevelt was perplexed. His men needed the help, and he was prepared to pay out of his own funds. What was the problem? He asked uh, someone why he could not buy the supplies and was told, Colonel, just ask for it. A smile broke over Roosevelt's face. Now he understood the provisions were not for sale. All he had to do was simply ask and they would be given freely. Jesus is the door. Enter through him and you will be saved. First salvation. First indication that Jesus is the real meaning of this festival of light. Second, pasture. Again, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so there's this image that Jesus is using, the sheep under his care, and here they will find pasture, that is, food to eat, grass to graze upon, provision, sustenance. So we can know that Jesus is the door, the key to Christmas, not only because he protects and is our salvation eternally, but also because he provides healthy spiritual food. How do we get this food? Well, Jesus says the way to find this food is to go in and out through him, the door. So the flock, the sheep, one of the most common descriptions in the Bible of God's people, the church. This flock, this people, find pasture, food to eat as they go in and out through Jesus. So this this picture of going in and out, there's a sense of liberty to it, isn't there? This is not a dictatorship. It's not a prison. The sheep go in and out. It also has a sense of the right kind of liberty about it. It is all through Jesus the door. So we go out through the door to our daily work, to our homes, to our study. Many a person finds that their work, their study, their thought life fades very quickly when they leave church and they wonder why. Well, it's because they don't go out through Jesus. They they don't read the Bible in the morning each day. They don't take Jesus with them to their work. They leave him behind with their cornflakes. 
Many a person comes to church but does not do so by going in through Jesus either. There's a rather nice story of a great preacher who uh, a new attendee at the church where he was pastoring was entranced by his rhetoric. She marveled at the message and determined to come back again the next week to hear him once more. This time it fell flat and she didn't like it at all. And so she went up to the preacher afterwards and told him the previous week had been great, but this week it was terrible. So the great preacher asked her this question. Why did you come to church the first time? She said, because I wanted to meet with God. And he said, "Uh, so is that what happened? She said, yes. And then he said, why did you come back again? Oh, she said, because I wanted to hear you. You had exactly what you came for both times, he said. How we come in... Whether to come in to hear from Jesus, going in through him, and how we go out matters to how well fed we are and how effective we are living out what we have heard. I love the little story of Charles Spurgeon at this point. He said this, if people come to find fault, we always give plenty of our imperfections for them to be entertained by, so they need not be disappointed. Going in, going out, through the door, through Jesus. There was a businessman well known for his ruthlessness, once announced to Mark Twain, his Great ambition. Before I die, I mean to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I will climb Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments from the top. Oh, said Mark Twain, I have a better idea. Stay in Boston and keep them. Are we going out through Jesus? For food to do us good, it must be accompanied by exercise, putting it into practice. Are we coming in through Jesus? Martin Luther put it like this. The life of Christianity consists of possessive pronouns. It is one thing to say Christ is a Savior. It is quite another thing to say he is my Savior and my Lord. The devil can say the first. The true Christian alone can say the second. So can we say that we are here today to meet with Jesus and in particular your Jesus, that you personally know and want to hear from. Going out and going in through Jesus. That's the way to find healthy food from the Word, the the pasture. Listen to Him. So that's another sign that Jesus is the meaning of Christmas, this feast of dedication, this festival of light. Salvation? Pasture. Third, life. Look at John 10, verse 10, famous words. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Who is the thief? 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We need to know who he is. Well, in this context here, the thief is the, the false shepherd who is seeking to lead God's people for his own benefit and is leading them away from God. That is, those who do not recognize that Jesus is God. That is, the Pharisees here who are rejecting Jesus. Those shepherds against which God through his prophet Ezekiel had already warned God's people about are now being replaced by Jesus, who is, as we shall see tonight at the carol service, the good shepherd of these sheep. They are parasites, not pastors. Jesus is the door, though. He lies down at the entranceway to the sheepfold and he puts his life on the line for the sheep as we enter through him. The thieves are those, though, who come to take life, whereas Jesus has come to give life. Thieves are leaders, rulers, kings, governments, authorities, celebrities, ideas, tendencies, passions that are designed to get things from you in order to enrich, better, ennoble, improve, line the pockets of the thieves. And how do you know they are those who deny that Jesus is God? I am the door, Jesus says. He comes to give us life and life abundantly. H.L. Mencken said this about life as we experience it outside of Christ. He wrote, The basic fact about human experience is not that it is a tragedy, but that it is a bore. It is not that it is so predominantly painful, but that it is lacking in any sense. This is the human condition all around us. That's why we as a church are so passionate about mission and outreach. We are like sheep without a shepherd. We like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want to tell you, if you are new to College Church, there are many shepherds here who want to reach out to you and give their lives for you. I want you to understand how important that is. T.S. Eliot described the contrast between the experience of living outside of Christ and the experience of life in Christ. He described that contrast like this. The endless cycle of idea and action, endless invention, endless experiment brings knowledge of motion but not of stillness. Knowledge of speech but not of silence. Knowledge of words and ignorance of the word. Where is the key to the meaning to Christmas, this winter festival of light? Where is the door? 
He gives meaning and time. Now every moment, however mundane, when lived for Jesus, can be filled with significance. William Barclay described how even the most mundane parts of life can take on great meaning. He said this, Lord of all pots and pans and things, since I've no time to be a saint by doing lovely things or watching late with thee or dreaming in the dawnlight or storming heaven's gates, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. He is truth. As Martin Luther King Jr. put it, Jesus Christ was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness. He is the one alone who can give us meaning. You know what the number one search on the internet is uh, these days? What is the meaning of life? Christ is that meaning. Life is found in relationship to him. He is life. He offers us fullness of life. Knowing him is to live and live to the full. He gives life forever. Not merely an extension of existence, where it is estimated that stress is the cause of 75 to 90% of the visits people make to their primary care physician today. Not just an extension of existence, but life so full of life that it is now unending, abundant. Three signs that Jesus is the meaning of Christmas. Salvation, pasture, life. There was a uh, tourist group in uh, the Middle East, in Israel, and they were on a bus and the tour guide was explaining to them about how shepherding functioned in ancient times and how it still functioned in, in the Middle East as he was taking this tour guide on this tour bus. Uh, in those places and at those times, he explained, the shepherd would call his sheep by name and he would lead them and they would follow. Not like in the West whereby, uh, where shepherds uh, drive their sheep with dogs and No, no, in the Middle East, in ancient time, and still in some places today, he was explaining, the shepherd would call his sheep, and they would follow. And so he was explaining all this on the tourist bus when one of the tourists looked out of the window and noticed that there was a man driving sheep. And he put up his hand and said, well, what's this about then? And the the tour guide immediately stopped the bus, ran out of the bus, went to the man who was doing this driving of the sheep, and all the tourists could see they were having a sort of gesticulative conversation. And then the tour guide came back in onto the bus, looked at all the tourists and said, it's all okay. He's not the shepherd. He's the butcher. 
That, in a sense, is what Jesus is saying. Listen, therefore, to him. Read his word. The Bible is not only the greatest treasure that this world can afford, it is also the one solution to spiritual hunger. Read his word. Follow his teaching. The exercise of Christ-like love is the surest path to spiritual fitness and community reconciliation in our world. Follow his teaching. Read his word. Worship him. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? That when you kiss your little baby, you kissed the face of God. The sleeping child that you are holding is the great I am. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you for all the fun and joy of Christmas. We are aware that for some people it brings back memories that are less than enjoyable. We pray that as a church you would give a sensitivity to those among us who perhaps have pain at this season. We pray also that you would help us to rejoice in this true festival of light. That uh, the Good Shepherd has uh, come. That God, you yourself in Christ, have come to shepherd your people. That you are the door. And that to enter through you is the way to life, and life eternal. Would you forgive us for so often ignoring your words? Would you help us as your sheep to listen to your voice and put it into practice? We ask for the help of your Holy Spirit for So often do we err and stray. 
Would you, Lord, most of all, enlighten our darkness that we might see you as the great I am and so worship you. In the name of Jesus, amen.